Yeah, Derek says today's Friday the 13th. I think we've still got a few hours yet. Scuba Obsessed, the weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear to places to dive and scuba news. Scuba Obsessed, episode 440, is recorded live March 12th, 2020. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson coming to you from the southwest side of the quarantine state of Michigan. <laughs> Joining me this week, we have Kevin Ailes. How are you doing today, Kevin? Oh, I'm a little bit under the weather, but uh, upright and present. Thanks and for having me on, Darren. How, how about what are you doing? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm I, I, about as good as can be expected. Okay. Uh, when you say you're under the weather, you don't you you don't have the uh, the new condition, do you? No, the COV nineteen is not in my household at this point. This is just simply okay. a, a bit bit of a chest cold going so, on. So you're not one of the handful of cases, which I think is going to explode here. Uh, you know, this episode tonight, I think we're just going to kind of wander around and talk about the coronavirus or COVID nineteen and how it affects the dive industry and just life in general related to scuba diving and uh, uh it's kind of hard to avoid it it's in the news so instead of avoiding it we'll just head straight on into it uh, and probably by the time people read this it, everybody will know or hear it everybody will know should know what the covid or the coronavirus it used to be called the wuhan flu originated in china just after uh, the end of 2019 at least that's when it started to get documented, and uh, you know, China had a little bit of a of a peak there, and I, I'm I'm hearing that they think that they've uh, uh, the number of cases, new cases being discovered every day, is starting to go down. But in the U.S., it's just starting to approach and be seen here. As of this recording, Michigan had two cases that were documented on Tuesday. I'm I'm thinking we're probably closer to 400 to a a thousand uh by the weekend here um and it's in just day-to-day life here we're we're starting to react to it you know some will argue a little late uh, in uh, michigan all the uh public universities and many of the private ones have closed uh michigan state university university of michigan michigan tech university have all canceled classes where people will be uh present uh, I'm understanding that Oregon and California have made recommendations that no events be held that uh, contain more than 250 people, and that's down from a thousand people just a few days ago. So we're well, really, yep. We usually have like uh, about 2,000 downloads an episode. Are we going to have to cap that? Keep it down to 250. 250, yeah. If you you uh, or or you have to have some sort of protective device oh, on your yes. download that should should help prevent the the virus from spreading because you know that this 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 program is just full of bugs i mean we've already yeah, seen that today a, yeah so. certainly 
Yeah, but, Karen. Uh, but, but make sure make sure Antivirus is up to date. Thank you, Karen. Yes, yeah. no doubt. Well, and I don't. If you're on social media, you can see all the posts. Like somebody who's got the uh, Norton Antivirus CD strapped to their face is one I I, I frequently see on and on. Uh, but what what's hard is as much as it's in the news, it's hard to get any straight information. In fact, uh, just about everybody will say some sort of statement, whether you're Starbucks or a local employer or anybody else, but then they always link back to the CDC or some other source. And even the CDC's recommendations are uh, kind of vague or not specific. Uh, you know, it, it's not much different than the normal flu and, what some of the recommendations are, which is, uh, you know, wash your hands. If you run a fever, don't go into work. Uh, but we're starting to see, uh, like my employer has canceled all going to any conferences, any, uh, uh, group gatherings. Uh, we're not allowing, uh, customers or visitors into the plant. Uh, tri- truck drivers who come and, and deliver or pick up product are limited to the docks. They're not allowed to wander around the building. Uh, so, uh, and, and years ago when we had SARS and some of the other, uh, you know, uh, viruses that were starting to go, I had been on some of the planning committees and what I found interesting was all the planning that would go into this or that would be done. We were reluctant to actually trigger the planning. Uh, and, and I, I kind of got on it. It's like, you want to trigger it early so you don't need it. You know, if you're, if, if you're going to do things like, you know, we had, we had stockpiled on a lot of stuff and this was years ago, you know, hand sanitizer and wipes and, uh, you know, we were going to cancel, you know, you know, departmental meetings, you know, you could, you could, if you can talk to them in email and phone, why do you need to get everybody in a conference room? So we all grab the same doorknob when you walk in. Uh, <laughs> now, just, and, you know, though, that right now we're taking this all so seriously, but, you know, six months from now. This is going to right. be fodder for the late night show. Everyone's going to be joking about this. It was going to be too bad because a lot of people are dying from this. But we're going to look back at this six months from now a whole lot different than we're seeing it right now. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'll just say, you know, my uneducated or just life experience position on this is that this is a type of flu. Uh, it's going to be worse than the regular flu but it's not near going to be nearly as bad as like the flu, the, you know, the early 1900s flu, the uh, Spanish flu. We're not going to see those types of numbers. Uh, and part of it, when I look and see the numbers and I, and I'm a, I'm a numbers guy based on my profession. So I like to see the numbers and I think we're probably pretty good at identifying if somebody dies from the coronavirus that that goes into a column and that's a death. What we're not good at is figuring out how many people had it. So right now, the only people who are being tested for it, at least in the United States, are people who are showing severe signs. Um, they're starting to loosen it up and get more tests out there and available to be used, but they're trying to save those. Yeah, if I understand, there's been a... There's been a severe shortage of those testing kits. I know there's been uh, Congress has been acting on it to try to uh, free up companies to make them, but as of right now, we don't have anywhere near what we need. Yeah, and 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 part of it is that uh, even if you have the kits, it's not like you spit into a tube and that's it. And then we've got uh, healthcare people in the chat room, but I 
I believe it's a throat swab, which is going to be administered by some healthcare professional. So you're really not going to, in many cases, unless you really want to brave it, have an at-home kit. And then well, the also takes, have to go, go ahead. It also takes several kits per person. When a person gets tested, they, they're not, it's not just one kit, you know, yes or no. They actually run several kits on each person. Yeah. And then the kits have to go to only certain labs currently are testing. Now, the CDC is working on expanding the labs that are, have been approved to provide the uh, testing results. But from what I understand just of the, the recording of the show, that that hasn't happened yet. So uh, what was taking only two or three days to get a result back is now to about a week. So e- even the test results are a little slow. So I, what my, my prediction is is that we've got a lot more people who have it than what we recognize. And I don't want to say that somebody who has a light case is representative of everybody, but I, I think we're going to find out that uh, it's just going to be like a, a bad flu. I'm, I'm, and, and we're bad at uh, understanding risks. You know, this is the, when it, when something's less than 10%, it really becomes a statistical effort. It's hard for us to judge. You know, when I, when you say 1%, you think of how many people you know, and you, and then you would say that would be one percent that would die, or in this case, we're I'm, we're seeing a lot of numbers that are saying three uh, percent. But I also think that we're go- that uh, that's of the people who get it. Is 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 this a flu that is going to be a hundred percent? Is a within no. a year's time is a hundred percent of the population going to have caught this? But of that three percent, which is finding you know, uh, to be fatal, is that elderly folks, I, I've i heard, I, I mean, I, I hate to speculate on rumor, but um, I'd like to know exactly which demographic is finding this virus to be fatal. And I've heard, but I I don't want to spread rumor that I've heard. So, you know, Mac just put in a link in the chat room from michigan.gov. Yeah, I'm- I'm looking at some, uh, uh, yeah, coronavirus, and 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 the thing is, it's like who whose stuff do you believe? Because everybody's putting out news on it. Uh, let's see. I'm going to click on. Yeah, well, I think you, you can rule. <clears throat> you can rule out the Star and National Enquirer on that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I I think I'm going to avoid boy what they've got. But this one's from Medical News Today, and they say coronavirus. Eighty-one percent of cases are mild. A uh, new paper from the Chinese Center of Disease Control Prevention finds that majority of coronavirus cases are mild, with older adults and people who have other conditions being mostly at risk. Uh, conducted the uh, CCDC's novel coronavirus uh, uh, word I'm not going to pronounce has conducted a study within the, what they analyze is the confirmed coronavirus cases as of February 11th, 2020. And, and we're in March now. Uh, experts have recently named the uh, disease that affects called COVID-19. The new study, Chinese Infectious Disease, has recorded, and they're going on. Uh, and, and this is early on because the fatalities have risen in the number of diagnosed cases. But as, as we talked at the beginning of the show, China had believed that they were past the the peak of the number who were contracting it. Uh, let's see. Yeah, this the, and this the link that Matt gave us was to a Michigan 
uh, gov website, but looking at some of the graphics, this looks uh, very much like what the CDC had said. So this is uh, Michigan updating it. And then the, the data today, uh, testing had been approved for 135 patients. It was negative for 120, positive for 12. So uh, in the last two days, it's gone from 2 to 12. Uh, test results pending are 26 referred for assessment or monitoring to date are 554 people in Michigan An assessment or monitoring referrals under active monitoring are 172. Now, now everything, um, I've, go ahead. Everything I've heard about in Michigan, is that over in the uh, Detroit area? Has it spread beyond, uh, Wayne County? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I had heard that earlier today there are two cases being quarantined in Niles, Michigan, at the hospital down there. Uh, there was at uh, one of the local uh, medical equipment companies in Kalamazoo, uh, they had somebody who had visited their location who had who had, had come up with uh, the COVID-19 uh so I don't know what's, what group of numbers they're being included in because they may have, you know, if they're just a visitor and they popped in and then went back to their other state and they're being counted there, uh, but so, they were in Kalamazoo. So if this is COVID-19, does that mean there was a COVID-18, a COVID-17, a COVID-16 as well? I, I have no idea what they're, well, they, how they come up with the names. Uh, somebody was probably complaining about the Wuhan flu. Uh, you know, kind of like the Spanish flu, really. Spanish, the reason it got named the Spanish flu is because they were the only one during uh, World War One who were accurately reporting. They were freely reporting in the United States during the Spanish flu epidemic. Uh, it was illegal for newspapers to report it because it was a, uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm simplifying this, but uh, the current administration at the time because of a war effort had banned negative uh, stories against uh, the war effort and talking about the flu was considered to be negative. So, well, you may have some articles that may have talked about it. They, they were having bond rallies. Uh, there was one, I believe it was in Philadelphia where there's uh, they believe 10 to 20,000 people had died as a result uh, because they didn't cancel it. They weren't canceling it because you know, if 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 you're not going to report that people are dying from the flu, then you can't take action to prevent people from dying from it. So, uh, interesting. And then, uh, kind of a side note, uh, my mom is uh, was was pointing out online to people that uh, she doesn't believe she would exist if it wasn't for the Spanish flu because uh, her, I believe it was her grandfather. His first way, his first wife died from the Spanish flu, remarried, and that's uh, her grandmother. All right, so, all right. So there you go. So I see I, a positive that can that actually comes out of it. I see Karen making some statements in the chat room, and I want to point out that what we're putting out here is not necessarily, well, you know, do not take our advice and how you seek care. You know, this we're, we're having a, a topic on our program this evening. This is not intended to, uh, you know, be advice for how to deal with this virus. Um, Karen is talking about how apparently uh, kids seem to do pretty well with the virus. Mm -hmm. uh, but you mentioned the rates are, of mortality are pretty high when you get, 
over seven, you know, person's over 70 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, we have uh, Derek in the chat room. He's over in Australia. I understand they've had quite a bit of a impact over there as well. I'd be curious, to, you know, you might want to share what all he's seeing down there in Australia. Yeah. At this time. Yeah. Well, he was saying that the uh, Grand Prix that was going on down there had been canceled. In the U.S., we're seeing a lot of athletic events have been canceled. The uh, basketball, which I I really don't follow, unless Michael yeah. Jordan was playing. Well, I, and this I is didn't. this is March Madness right now. Yeah. I mean, canceling that is is huge. But yeah, they have they've halted March Madness right now. Yeah. Um, delayed NBA. Uh, delayed. Uh, oh, what is it? Uh, professional baseball is being pushed back by two weeks. The uh, spring training is. Uh, potentially canceled it's been halted at this point um well yeah the the reason that we hadn't been recording episodes for the last couple weeks is i'm a coach of a high school uh first robotics team and uh the team had a competition but that was the last competition that was going to that was held in the state they have since uh postponed which i i'm taking to mean is canceled uh, the rest of the Michigan first in Michigan state competitions uh, and the, the national organization has canceled all regional events, including the world championships for robotics. So this is high school uh, robotics throughout the uh, world. This is uh, one of the organizing groups. Uh, so that, so that is no longer going to happen. So we're starting to see that uh, move to other things. Uh, it, the height, our current high school has not canceled, but, I would be surprised if we don't see something here in the next week or so where they have canceled as well. Uh, I, I asked in Patreon earlier uh, this week, I did it both in Patreon and, and on uh, uh, Facebook, just kind of an, an impromptu pull, poll to get some feedback. And we did have a couple of uh, uh, of our supporters talk to it. We had uh, Scuba Drew. He said, yep, you know, I, I, what my, my question was is, uh, I said, we are looking for any information or opinions you may have on the coronavirus and diving. And I asked, uh, will this impact any diving trips you have planned? Uh, will you be avoiding scuba diving? Will you skip pa- the post-dive beverages and meals? You know, the gatherings we do after we go diving? And just for protection, are you going to wear your, your dive gear to work? Uh, and Drew said, yep. Two dive trips canceled this morning. In fact, one canceled by work, a business trip, and a weekend trek tacked on to each side. Was looking forward to diving uh, Catalina Island, and one canceled by myself out of caution. Not so much for myself, but as I'm young and healthy, but more for concerns of my parents and friends' parents. It really sucks, but it seemed to be the right thing to do. Uh, and then we had another one, Dieter. Oh, he said, no, no, no. Heading to Florida Keys on Saturday. However, I'm glad I don't have to rely on rental equipment. Uh, and then let's pop into Facebook. I think Facebook was was more along the lines of uh, people weren't planning on changing their diving plans. Well, and this, we are very, you know, this is a very early dive season at this point. I mean, right now it's only yeah. the real diehards are diving at this time. So, you know, with any luck, this will have blown over by the time we're, you know, full swing because, you know, most of your wetsuit divers don't get out until late late April anyway. You know, May, your, we'll say May would be safe. So we got time for that. 
although Amy and I are kind of concerned, we have our, our wedding planned on May 30. And uh, that should be, a, you know, the reception is going to be a large group. And we're kind of concerned about if this hasn't blown over by then, or even just the concern of it will probably linger for a while. I'm sure there will, there will be a number of guests who do not attend our wedding, you know, due to coronavirus. Uh, we have our honeymoon planned for uh, mid, you know, end of June, early July. And the original plan was to go do some saltwater diving. We had looked at Cayman Brack and a few options there, but decided that, well, hey, we're going to practice what we preach. We love cold water diving. <laughs> and I've got a woman who wants to go cold water diving on her honeymoon. I'm not letting this get away, you know? So, yeah, we're, you know, probably will not impact us, but who knows how long it's going to go on. So, yeah. Well, one thing I've been looking for earlier today and couldn't find, but I'm now able to see it, is that uh, Dan, the Divers Alert Network, has, has issued advice for divers uh, protecting against the COVID-19. Uh, Deeper Blue, uh, an online source for diving news, has uh, republished information. And they say, in light of the World Health Organization recent declaration of the, no- the novel coronavirus or COVID-19, as a pandemic, the Divers Alert Network, network this weekend had issued advice for divers on how to stay safe and healthy. Questions have arisen in the dive community about disease transmission when using rental equipment, especially regulators with the, with the threat of coronavirus on everybody's mind. Properly sanitizing equipment is paramount, according to Dan, which advises divers to keep the following in mind. According to U.S. Centers for Disease Control, household cleaners are effective against COVID-19 as they are against the common flu and cold viruses. Therefore, cleaning and disinfecting equipment meant for personal use, such as second-stage regulators, masks, snorkels, BCD, oral inflators, is very important. Equipment can be effectively sanitized by submerging it in 10% bleach solution or using a cleaning product such as styramine tabs or any other coronary ammonium compound be sure to use these products according to manufacturer's directions and rinse the equipment with fresh water. Commonly... Well, go ahead. I'd recommend the steramine tabs. I, I use those for sanitizing my rebreather. And they, as long as you, you know, flush them properly, use it properly, you don't have any kind of a bad taste or bad smell afterwards. You know, when we're talking about this different kind of sterilization, you know, that, that 10% bleach, uh, although nece- maybe necessary, it's going to leave a pretty good taste on your regulator and mm-hmm. you know, Lysol, the different you know, household cleaners are mentioning there. I, I can't imagine wanting to have that in my mouth, you know, for 90 minutes or an hour long dive, but yeah. the, uh, you know, be safe, do what you got to do. But the steramine tablets can be readily picked up on Amazon or any place that sells bar, bar supplies. Uh, and they do a great job without leaving a residue or a bad taste. Uh, products that are commonly used to clean dive gear but are ineffective against coronavirus include antibacteria and chlorohexide mouthwashes and sprays. If you use hot soapy water, you'll need to scrub your gear with a soft toothbrush to be effective. If you're using, if you're a diver using rental gear and you'd like to take extra steps to protect yourself from transmittable diseases, thoroughly wipe the following equipment with a household def- disinfecting wipe and then rinse with fresh water before use. And this includes a regulator mouthpiece, a snorkel, a BCD oral inflator, and the inside of your mask. If you don't have access to wipes, you may ask the shop you're diving with to 
properly sanitize equipment before you take it with you. A list of uh, for a list of household cleaning products effective against coronavirus, Dan recommends seeing the American Chemistry Council Center for Biological Chemistry's list of products that have an emerging viral pathogen claim from the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. In addition, uh, when using household cleaning products, it may be prudent to change the active ingredient every so often to avoid breeding res- uh, resistant strains, according to Dan. That's, that's the first time I've heard it, but that's, uh, you know, we, we run into that with uh, bacteria. We make some of these super bugs uh, because they become resistant and you, you're almost conditioning them. Uh, and then the folks at Dan Europe also have some more advice. Go ahead. Well, and something I want to mention is uh, people are going to do it. We have a lot of, you know, diehard divers. And, of course, we would never recommend this kind of behavior, but it's quite likely we're going to have folks who uh, will do a little bit of diving, even though they may have a little bit of a of a upper respiratory infection going on or some, some kind of a, you know, not imperfect health. And keep in mind that if you do that, learn from my dumb mistake. I, I did that once and found that my air consumption like more than doubled because when you've got gunk in your lungs, you're much less able to filter out the oxygen out of, uh, you know, your, the air you're breathing and you end up going through a lot more air. So if you are foolish enough to go diving with a respiratory infection, like some guy I know did, uh, Keep in mind to have a much larger air supply than you need because uh, you're going to need it. <laughs> yeah. And we're not endorsing and, that kind of behavior. So No, no, of course not. Uh, whether you're planning to, to travel to dive, take customers on local diving excursions, or visit a diving or travel show, the Diving Equipment and Manufacturing Association set up a new page on its website that has links to the latest coronavirus information. So we're going to go and follow that link just to see where it goes. Yeah, Karen's just filling us up with some excellent links in the chat room. Well, you there's know, just uh, loads of them. Yeah. For those of you who are uh, you know, down, you know, downloading this, you're not able to see those. Uh, I encourage you to uh, try to tune into our podcast when we record live, which is generally plus or minus 9.30 p.m. on Thursday evenings. And we do this through Discord. You can find the Scuba Obsessed uh, chat room here. And, uh, you know, although downloading the podcast is quite worthwhile, you it's even better live. And you get to hear all of our, our goof-ups and our flubs and all the, yeah, stray four-letter words and things like that. So, Yeah. yeah all, all before we clean it up. Extensive <laughs> editing. Yeah. So what, what, what cleaning product do you use to, to sanitize a podcast here? Because we, we leave the same pretty rank when we're done, man. Yeah, yeah, I, I just uh, usually run it through uh, uh, the the trash can, and that usually you know you run it a few times through the trash can. It seems to be better. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, well, it, it, it says Dima is working in association and and convention communities to help bring the best information available regarding travel to c- consumer dive and adventure shows, as well as other travel opportunities. We are relying on and t- and linking advice from the World Health Organization, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control so that you can most easily locate the latest updates. Whether you're planning to travel to dive, take customers on local diving, or visit diving and travel shows, DEMA is recommending that members of the industry follow the WHO and CDC guidelines. And they've got uh, some links. And then they're showing 
uh, some numbers globally. So as of the recording of this podcast globally, there were 125,048 confirmed cases, 6,729 new. So even though that sounds like a lot, globally it does seem to be that we're in a slower period than we had been. Uh, Deaths, uh, tragically, we have 4,613 deaths, 321 new. Uh, China only had 26 new cases, and this is for the last 24 hours, and they unfortunately had 11 new deaths. Outside of China, there were 6,703 new cases, 310 uh, new deaths, and four new countries that had previously not had cases before. Currently, there are 117 countries that are being affected. So just uh, some some locations that we know uh, that are having some stuff go on. I'm, I'm clicking through some of the stuff. I, I did have some articles we could have covered, but uh, we're missing that. It says a coronavirus travel ban leaves local tourists stranded. Uh, this one's out of Toledo, Ohio. 14 Toledo area divers set out from Chicago to Micronesia on Thursday. Then a travel ban was set to expire, was reinstated, leaving one group of tourists stranded in paradise. Never has this happened to our business before, said Jeff Daniels, owner of Aqua Hut Scuba and Travel in Toledo. Davis regularly plans trips for his divers. We have 14 trips a year. We've already done two. Uh, The trip to Chuck, uh, an an island in Micronesia, the whole trip was based on some World War II shipwrecks diving. That is one of the only places in the world we have a graveyard of World War II shipwrecks. So we found out that we couldn't go. It's still a big, big loss to us at Andrew Sabot, trip leader. Sabot's leading the trip, but they never made it to their final destination. Micronesia has a travel ban. No visitors from any country with coronaviruses are allowed. The ban was set to expire the day before the group arrived. They got to Hawaii, spent the night, and the night, the night, the island, Micronesia reinstated their ban. Any country from where coronavirus had had cases. It was a shock for me. It was a big surprise. Three of our divers went home immediately. They said they're disappointed. They said they didn't want to spend too much time here. Uh, uh, the travel agent uh, stepped in to get everyone rerouted safely. Uh, we're going to make the best of it. We're going to go diving in Fiji, said Sabo. Uh, the door is open to make the trip again. United Airlines have been great with us, making sure we get everybody where they need to go. The boat has said, you have two years to come back, and we'll give you a trip at no charge, said Davis. Everyone is staying positive. Hawaii is wonderful. It's very beautiful here. We are happy that we're stuck <laughs> Here rather than anywhere else. Keep traveling the adventure of life, says Davis. Six of the divers are going to Fiji, while the others are either staying in Hawaii or heading home early. Aqua Hut does not anticipate uh, coronavirus affecting any more trips, but they're keeping an eye out just in case. Uh, so you've got that one. Uh, and it says uh, tourists are being kept under coronavirus quarantine at Luxury Mall Dives report. Well, there's no doubt that having a vacation interrupted the fast-spreading virus has infected more than 108 globally. Let me see what date this is. This was March 9th. Uh, it says there are surely worse places to be confined than a luxury Maldive resorts over the weekend. Indian Ocean Island Nation has added to the ever-growing list of countries with confirmed cases. The coronavirus after two staff members at the uh, Kuredu Island and Resort and Spa located in Northern Reef 
tested positive for the virus. The precaution entire resort has been placed under quarantine and all guests and staff are restricted from leaving until further notice. Temporary restrictive measures will continue until such time as the authorities release the island quarantine period. Uh, at this time, there'll be no flights in or out of the island. The island's well-stocked with essentials and we can take care of it to provide it all. And then my question is, they better have plenty of drinks, which I don't know. Is Micronesia, is that a dry country? I mean, if I'm on quarantine, you, you know, you're going to have to do something to make up for it. Let's see. What else do we have? Uh, um, a dive photo guide is reporting that the coronavirus is impacting the uh, camera manufacturers and consumer shows. A lot of trade shows have been canceled. Uh, South by Southwest, an industry show. Uh, you had... Uh, the uh, mobile phone show, which I can't remember the name or the, its name at the time, that one's been canceled. Uh, and they said the disruption to Chinese manufacturers has triggered a global meltdown in stock markets. Big companies like Apple forecasting to miss earnings. Canon, which makes its sensors, is the latest company to warn supply shortage from China affecting production. Uh, Fuji Home, uh, Fuji uh, saw a nine percent rise last week. Uh, yeah, so these are just some supply change blips, which, you know, it is going to affect many of these companies because they've, you know, if they're running at a near capacity and you have any sort of uh, delay, that will affect. Hey, Mac, are you there? I think so. Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, you, you must have been, they must, you know, you're sitting on your hands, you can't talk. So, it took uh, me a while to debug it. Yeah, you, you've 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 got it licked. Uh, yeah, and I and I went and did some searching, but I uh, what you know since you haven't had a chance to talk, what is what is your thoughts on the uh, coronavirus? It's really sort of complex. You always wonder who brought it in to start, and it looks like it started on East Coast and the West Coast. And I don't know, did you listen to uh, the president's presentation last night? I think it was just a matter of time before it got here. This is something you really just can't stop. Uh, I, I didn't, but I did hear some paraphrasing of it. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, it sounds, uh, hearing through the news reports, it sounds like we're taking some actions. Uh, we're still going to have goods that will come into the country, but travel from Europe is being stopped just to prevent that. Right. That started Friday or yep. late Friday, I believe it is. And $5 billion towards some of the items he wanted to do is to help people stay home who are of low income. It was to subsidize their income, even though they don't have maybe sick money coming in, they will have sick money. So you won't yeah. be afraid to stay home because you're still going to get paid. Yeah. And that's part of it. Yeah. If you've got no money for food, you're going to go to right. work. Well, and, and that's yeah. always been my concern with this is that uh, the be the best ways to prevent it are the ones that nobody's really willing to take. If the people who are in contact with the most number of other people, are usually in these entry level and lower paid service jobs. And, and many of them are living paycheck to paycheck. So, you know, missing a day's work is a big deal. So, you know, 
if you've already got it, you're probably willing to pass it on to somebody else to make sure you get a day's pay. Well, the other aspect that's not been addressed is the homeless. Let's go to California, for example. Now, if anybody's going to get it, it's going to be the, the people who are living on the streets. One would think. The same thing in the bigger cities like Chicago, New York City, a lot of parts of Atlanta. If they're going to have a major flare-up, one would think you would have it there where the people are not able necessarily to take care of themselves and and do a lot of the stuff that we're going to try to do, like decon your hands all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That could be a quite interesting uh, event if it goes to those places first. Yeah. Yeah. And, and from what I'm reading on the transmission is that this is mostly being transmitted by, you know, a few coughs, sneeze, fluids coming from one person being passed to another. So, uh, you know, one of the recommendations is don't touch your face, which uh, my personality is such that telling me I can't touch my face within 30 minutes, I'll go crazy or I have to touch my face. It's like that itch. You know, if you can't, if you can't itch it, that's the only time it needs to be itched. Uh, well, yeah, I was saying, you Karen normally... saying respiratory uh, droplets. Go ahead, Mac. Yeah, they were saying you touch your face a minimum of every two minutes. Oh, I, I believe it. I'm, I'm absolutely because I, I have a desk job. So I'm, I'm, I'm at a desk. I'm doing stuff. And it's, it's kind of a thought process. You know, I've got kind of this, you know, uh, ritual where you, you know, as you're thinking or doing certain things and you, know, you grab your chin, you grab your forehead, you do that. I mean, I'm always glad with that. I, that we haven't adopted video conferences cause I'm making all sorts of faces during the conference calls. Uh, but, but I'm always touching my face. I mean, that's a, that's just a common. So trying not to, uh, is, is just seems like an overpowering thing to try and, to not to not do, uh, uh, you know. The, I've I've heard that uh, soap and water is ineffective, which I'm I'm glad because uh, we always do that. But it's always amazing when these things happen. How many people seem to be surprised that they have to wash their hands? Yeah, I, w- I wish people were just washing them all the time. Uh, something about the uh, the the soap uh, will damage the virus, and that, and it can be effective. A uh, hand sanitizer solution. Uh, Karen, do you happen to know what percent alcohol that has to be? I've heard different 71, numbers. 71%. So I've, I've seen a lot of them label 70%. So are the 70% ones not effective? No, they're, they're effective also. I think the biggest issue is a lot of people wanted to use vodka, but you hear about <laughs> that one, right? And they say, well, well it's 80 proof. And it's like, yeah, well, that's only 40% people. So you really right. can't use it. I mean, you can gargle with it. And if you drink a lot, you might not care. But it's still going to be not to your advantage, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to me, why waste good vodka when you can just use the stuff you can't drink <laughs> to, to do it? Yeah. Australia, Derek is saying, is saying 60%. Um, Karen said transmission droplets only travel three to six feet, even from a sneeze. But the virus can live on doorknobs, sink candles for three days. Yeah, and I've, I've heard some recommendations that are saying uh, if you got a surface that you can't properly sterilize, if you can avoid people from coming in contact with it for eight to nine days, um, you feel pretty safe. And if it's absolutely like you're super concerned, then they said two weeks. So, like, if you had dive gear 
that you let somebody else borrow and they came down with it, uh, even without sterilizing, if uh, as long as you don't have like a moist, you know, petri dish type of environment uh, in a dry condition after about 14 days, they say it's a pretty well, sure sign that the virus like should be existing. I'd like to take that that uh, factoid that Karen just uh, quoted a little to the next level here. Um, you know, Karen tells us that uh, droplets usually only travel three to six feet, even from a from a, a sneeze. Well, you know, some of us have gone looking to find some of those N95 masks, you know, which are supposedly the, the ones which prevent viruses, and they're not available. Plus, I should point out that the uh, World Health Organization and the CDC are both not recommending people look for those, but basically they're unobtainium these days. You know, if you try to find them, you know, the scalpers bought them all up, and if you do buy them, you're likely to get, you know, Pay, pay far too much for a far and free product. But some of us have been joking about amongst ourselves that, well, a scuba system is a respirator. So rather than have to use the mask, you could just go on with your scuba system. And you actually wouldn't even have to turn it on because apparently the, do- the droplets only go three to six feet. Well, I guarantee you, if you are riding public transit with your scuba suit on, no one's going to come in within three to six feet of you. So it's you know, keep away from me right there, you know. Well, I, I think what we should do is sell scuba obsessed biohazard stickers, and then you could just put them on stuff. You know, like I am quarantined. Please stay away. I uh, like it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I, I think. Well, yeah, you also got to remember though that it will live on clothing. You know, you don't want to hug them with your armpit or your, your elbow yeah. because that's where you've been coughing. And my understanding, the mask was really used so if you were sick, you would not broadcast that to somebody exactly. else. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. T- the two items that I have at home and was recommended by the CDC are very simple. One is isopropyl alcohol, at least 70%. That is effective against coronavirus. And don't dilute it. So I basically have been using that. Now, obviously, alcohol, if you wipe that on your hands real good, it's nice, but it removes the oils, and you're going to have really dry skin unless you put ointment or cream back on it. Mm-hmm. The other item I'm using is um, 3% hydrogen peroxide because the CDC itself said 3% hydrogen peroxide is able to inactivate rhinovirus within eight minutes, and the rhinovirus is more difficult to destroy than a coronavirus. I'm sorry, you broke up there. The rhinovirus is what? It's more difficult to destroy than the current one that we're trying. Therefore, it's actually very good for that. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I think, like with anything, a mini-layer defense is a good approach. You know, uh, avoid areas where you have a lot of people from different countries coming in, such as, you know, major... Airport terminals. <laughs> uh, probably the the other the other place would be hospitals, or or even your doctor's office. Any place where people are not feeling good are going to go because they're just as if, you know if they've got it and they're sitting in the lobby just because they haven't been diagnosed doesn't mean they don't have it. Right again, so, that's why they're really saying stay away from the old people's houses and the nursing right. homes. Right. Yeah, you know, you've you've got in in laws or family or somebody, uh, call on the phone. You know, if they don't need you to come over, it may be to their safety for you not to, because you, you know, they they may not be going out and and running into people, but you you may you could bring it home to them. 
Right. Well, that's one advantage now that you got. You can phone in and get groceries delivered to you. Oh, yeah. Have them put it in the garage. Nobody has to be with you. Same thing with medication. A lot of yeah. them now will deliver that to your house. So all you do is go back out to your mailbox when they say, hey, I'm out at the mailbox putting meds in there. And, and that makes sense. And then that phone contact is the other aspect. That way they know they're being looked after and they've got the supplies necessary. And that is, of course, for those who can function by themselves. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying, uh, you know, ignore your uh, uh, elderly family members who need assistance, but uh, maybe a little less contact uh, could go away, at least at least until we figure out what this is. I mean, right now, uh, there's just a lot of ideas that I don't think we know for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I, we, I, everybody's being cautious and I, I don't think that's a bad position to have. Right. They, they also reference that the hand sanitizers are being used by everybody, but you got to remember your hands have to be somewhat clean to be able to use that. If you've been out working, they're heavily soiled or greasy. The sanitizers are not really working. So they still say that soap and water is number one way to go. Yeah. Hey, Mac, yeah. I'm uh, glad to see that you were able to join us this evening. Uh, I'm, I'm going to bow out. I'm kind of under the weather tonight, and uh, I kind of want to get some extra sleep here. So uh, I'm enjoying being on the podcast here, but uh, I'm going to pass in favor of taking care of my health tonight. So um, bidding you all to do. Okay. Uh, Thank you, Kevin. Quick. Real quick, Kevin, you do know we're not having a dive meeting, and uh, Amy gave me a text, so I assume you know that also. Yes, I'm aware of that. So we're all good. Yeah, so, good. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll be in contact, though. So Okay, sounds good. All right. Have a good night. Well, Talk to you guys later. Thanks. And on the dive meeting, that was uh, probably because Andrews University was closing? Actually, they closed the 23rd, but trying to get in there on next week, with the mm -hmm. foreign students and what have you, I did not think that was really to our advantage to do so. So right, yeah. half of our people are in that elderly group. <laughs> the high, high risk group. Yeah. <laughs> not quite the Walker group, but the. Right. Uh, so I discussed that with Mary Beth and, and company, and we decided uh, we will hold off on the next meeting and we'll see what, what's going to go down in the, uh, in the area. Uh, the, the the local health department, the Bering County Health Department, had uh, not made a recommendation to cancel activities yet because they were saying that the the nature, you know, since there hadn't been cases in the county, uh, they didn't think it was necessary. Yeah, well, I know I my my uh, nephews from both IU and Purdue. They're now home for three weeks plus. Uh, they said start doing your work over the. Uh, internet type item, telecommunications. Mm -hmm. And they're, I mean, it's like, damn. And that's really got to affect it because spring break is now. Now, you know, Disneyland closed in California. Yeah, I saw, yeah Disney, Disneyland, I think Disney World also. I think they both. The one in Florida, they were talking about it, but they had not made a decision the last I had heard. Oh. But it makes sense. I mean, how can you yeah, not? Because I, I think I had read something today where it was Disney World and Universal. Yeah. But maybe that was Disney uh, land. That I, I, yeah, I know the California one was specifically identified. And the other one is like today, if you looked at all the basketball games, professional and college that were now suspended, uh, Major League Baseball, I think, has pretty much yep. shot theirs down. 
that's going to go a long way to helping minimize some of this because, like you said, you get 20,000 people in the stadium and a couple of people coughing. Well, at work, some of the measures they've they've taken, I wish they would do in a normal uh, flu season year. You know, just a little bit of extra care could make the normal flu season better. And there's so many places now that can let you work from home. Right. Well, I, I technically can. Uh, I'll probably go in tomorrow and then, you know, I may make plans for next week to have my, because I've thought about it. Does it make sense? Because I work better from the office, you know, as, as much as I'd love to just sit at home, you know, the internet's quicker. If I have a question, I can stop by somebody's office, talk to them, yeah. even though I'm not breathing on them. Uh, so you got that collaboration, which does go better at work. Uh, but I've even thought about maybe we just rotate you know, the, uh, out of the group I've got, maybe, a, you know, half our home each day or, yeah, you know, I, so, uh, still kicking around that idea. Maybe HR will decide for me and just say, nobody has to come in. Well, anybody who's got a, a lowered immune system for whatever reason, right? Th- I would hope that their office, if they're able to do telecommunications or something, they would be able to do it because most people don't want to do it, but, you know, that could be darn serious, even though what is it now? They're saying 80, 81% won't even have you know, a slight a mild flu, if that. Mm-hmm. Then you got the 15% that it turns into pneumonia. And right. then you got that 5%-ish that it gets to the pneumonia stage and your body resistance is so low, you're screwed. Yeah. I was uh, looking at some of the things they say you touch. How often do you go get a pot, you know, a cup of coffee? The pilot, the urine at work, you know, where you grab the handle. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. oh, never thought about that. Yeah. And yeah, it's everywhere. So what do you yeah, do? I, yeah. I, I wiped down the microwave today. Uh, you know, they've, they've brought in extra, you know, uh, baby wipes, which I guess are impossible to get now. And so I went and did all the doorknobs, all the uh, door plates and the handle on the microwave. And then the other question I have is, Okay, so the first doorknob I wipe down, that's a fresh baby wipe. When I go to the second one, am I introducing stuff from the first doorknob? My, <laughs> you know, under- I- my understanding is you can because it's like they were saying if I'm going to spray down my uh, kitchen, for example. They said spray it down with even the, the uh, hydrogen peroxide, let it sit there a little bit, and then you take the rag and wash wipe it over if you're using a rag you just contaminated the rag so if you use the paper towels you can toss those away mm-hmm. you don't want to recontaminate yeah yeah for, for, for me uh i i like to spray down the countertops my wife is always upset because i like to let the stuff sit because it doesn't work instantly you know if you do lysol or something on a on a surface you can't wipe it up in two seconds and expect that it's cleaned it's got to sit there and interact with the stuff on the surface. So yeah. uh, we, we sometimes will disagree a little bit on that one. Uh, well, CDC is in your favor, by the way. Yeah, I, I, I know. But, you know, I can be right and wrong at the same time, as, I, as I've been told. Uh, but like at work, yeah, that's, that's certainly something to uh, consider is just how we pass it. And so. Um, I was uh, getting gas at Myers yesterday. Oh yeah, and uh, I was using the plastic glove supplied there uh-huh. 
because they were saying, how often do you pick up the nozzle to give yourself gas in the car? Not thinking. Right. I'm, I'm looking to my left. The guy over there has got one too. So we waved our, our mitts to each other. Uh-huh. <laughs> he turned out to be, a, he's uh, working in the lab in Chicago on this coronavirus. And he says, they are swamped. With samples, you can't do it fast enough because you've got to send it to the CDC. So you've got a built-in four days that four days you don't know. So people are being quarantined until at least they got, hopefully they're being quarantined until they get back. Yeah. And then when you start hearing about, well, you know, Sass, uh, his brother was in Australia. Then he went to New Zealand. He just got back to Australia, I think, today. Mm-hmm. So it's like now. Does that mean he can't come back to the states now? I don't know. I don't I, know if they're yeah. if they're doing that or not. Uh, I, I at work we had uh, in one of our conference calls we had an argument where because they they banned all uh, flying for business. If you're gonna if you have to go to visit a customer or supplier, you're supposed to drive now, no matter what the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, constraints they want you in a plane well then other people are going well the planes are filled you know they have the hipaa filters and it's even better than not um, really <laughs> <laughs> well i not i always really. know my, my thought on the plane is uh it doesn't matter if i go to la or new york or someplace uh it always seems i i the week after i'm off the plane i always seem to come down with something so i i blame the plane myself yeah well it's like what tom hanks yeah him, yeah. him and his wife has got it and they're in australia yeah, yeah, that's that's what Derek was saying before the show. He said that uh, they got cases of it uh, going on down there. Yeah, it wasn't Trump's uh, fault for that one. No, you can't. And the orange man can't be responsible for everything. Uh, yeah, there's uh, well, it, and then money. Uh, one of the recommendations was not handle money, and I was thinking the same thing. Well, credit cards. Yeah, I went to the dri- through a drive through today, and I hand him the credit card, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know how how do I sterilize a credit card? You can wipe that down with a either alcohol or the, uh, yeah, uh, you know, the other item. Well, and then also they're 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 doing their food. I mean, if you if they sneeze as they're you know making your burrito, uh, you're kind of AOL. <laughs> uh, yeah, you are. Yeah, I mean, with the credit card, you can always use that instant app, so that's yeah, not an issue as long as you don't give it to them, but. Yeah, are you going to go to get your hamburger now? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. So I'm I'm, I'm thinking I got, I'm going to have to change my diet as well. Of course, the the I'm I'm figuring the alcohol, even though I know it's not quite seventy percent. You know, my uh, spiced rum uh, should be uh, yeah, at least give me a psychological benefit. Well, maybe they'll get slightly inebriated and won't be able to find your nasal passages or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some sort of passage I can't find. Uh, and then here we've uh, another article. Uh, and this one's out of the UK. It says Fleetwood school takes extra precautions by closing swimming pool, swimming pool to the public amid the coronavirus uh, fear. Uh, Rosendahl independent boarding school, 25 meter heated indoor pools used by pupils at Rosal's school and other local schools during the term. Is widely used by beginners and more advanced swimmers in the swim squad. The school is also used for canoeing, scuba diving, and water polo. 
However, a statement on the school's website has stated that no public swim sessions will be available until further notice. Spokesman for Rosal Independent Boarding School said, we are taking extra precautions due to COVID-19. The safeguard of our pupils, staff, and community is our most priority. Beverly Bain Swimming School holds classes in the pool for children aged 3 to 16. All lessons have been postponed as a result of the closure. So it uh, seems that... Uh, you know, that, that is making sense, uh, taking the extra steps. So, uh, and then what we didn't cover earlier, uh, people are saying, well, if everybody's going to get it, why does it matter? And if you look at what Italy's going through right now is why it matters is that the healthcare system's capacity to take care of those in critical need of healthcare. If everybody comes down with the COVID-19 at the same time, you don't have enough beds and enough staff to handle. Well, the key was they didn't have enough respirators and our uh, inhalator. Can't think of what the tube is you can use to breathe for people. They're having to make decisions right now based on, you know, I only got so many of these and so many people. Who's the best choice to survive? They're having to make that kind of decision already, and they're not really comfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah, and Karen pointed out that was ventilators. Yeah, ventilators. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. The 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 breathy things. The the uh, what we used, think of the word. Iron, we used to call them iron lungs. Iron <laughs> lung is what it was. <laughs> so yeah, ventilators. Uh, yeah. So so that's what you're really trying to do. We're we're trying to stall this. Uh, I was reading quite a bit extensively. We won't we won't go. At least I don't think I got an article queued up on it. But there are three or four c- companies who are pioneering uh, antiviral. Uh, engineering and uh, uh, antiviral uh, shots. And mm-hmm. they were there. There's three companies right now who think that they've got, uh, uh, I won't say antidotes, but that's not it. Uh, antivirals that will work, but they've got to accelerate them through testing. And then also the way they're generating the antivirals has not been approved by the uh, FDA. But FDA. that's that's for the USA. Yeah. Over there, they're going to try it first, and we will hopefully uh, get something from it. Yeah, there was an article on that. There's hundreds upon hundreds working on that. Mm-hmm. Part of it is to the money, because one, if I can find the solution first and sell it, I'm going to make some money. Yeah, and, and what this one company was doing is they were actually, what they do is they look at the uh, DNA markers for the virus, and based on what they see in the virus, they can make the the virus shot for it. Uh-huh. Uh, just based on what the virus has. And then they also, uh, several, a couple of the companies had a method for creating those at a volume that was like, I want to say 10 million a month, which worldwide is probably not nearly enough. But uh, if you can target high uh, risk individuals and give the shots to them, then it could have quite a bit of impact on the fatality rates. Right. Uh, did you happen to take a look at the uh, scuba board? I did not get over there's the a, scuba board. There's a whole title on that. It's called a virus dilemma. And most of it is talking about uh, where people have got planned trips to places and how that's working for them. Seems like travel insurance is going to be a big deal if you got it, but you better read the fine print 
Because a lot of times, even with the travel insurance, you're only talking 50% reimbursement, if you're lucky. Yeah. Uh, let me see here. There was one article we had that was talking about travel insurance. Let me see. Uh, do, 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 do. I mean, the comment Sarah said, the most dangerous place you can be is inside that airplane. Yes, I, I agree. Uh, and, and the longer you're in the plane, the worse it's going to be. Because if you eventually have to go to the bathroom, you know, most of these planes, unless they're really large ones, you only have uh, two to four bathrooms you're going to be able to get in. So everybody's touching that handle. And, you know, and, I, and I'm thinking about it. My my dad worked in the nuclear industry, uh, radiation safety uh, personnel. And they used to have, and you probably went to the course where they spread, they spread all the dust out all over the place. And they have, we used to take, we used to take talcum powder yeah, and then go through the decon and then hit you with a black light and show you where you screwed up. Yeah. And And, and he says it was, he he used to love doing that to like the, the rookies, the, you know, the high school kids who had just all all through their face. Everything's crazy. Yeah, it, it, yeah, right. They, they have stuff up their nose and their ears, and it would just they they just look like a horror movie set. Uh, uh, so you, you just unless you take the effort, and, and I in, in the printing industry it was the same thing. I can remember before I learned how to move through a print shop. Uh, there's ink, you know, ink in a, that goes into a printing press is very concentrated. Oh yeah, and it only it only takes a little bit to print a lot and if you get that on your finger and you move through the shop you can spread that ink everywhere so the first three to six months you're working in the printing industry you're just like a pig pen you're spreading that stuff around but once you learn what to touch and how to clean and and do that then then you it becomes second nature and you don't have that problem anymore right it's like changing that print cartridge in the old-fashioned print machines or xeroxes and yeah, like you said, then your hands are black, and wherever you go, yeah. you're touching. Yeah, and, and it's funny to see those people because they've got it on their eyebrows, and you just kind of don't tell them about it, so they can walk around the office for a while. Right, um, but on the scuba aspect, it always seemed to be either the trip related, poor medical services, wherever you're going to be, and then the other one is, uh, and you covered was that disinfecting dive gear. What's a good way to do it? Yeah. Well, an article that was on outside online, it says, does travel insurance cover the coronavirus? Uh, This had a lot of thoughtful deliberation. The first time in my life I decided to postpone an international trip because of the COVID-19. I've been traveling problem-free for three decades, but a few of my international trips have gone sideways of late. I was stranded in Chile for three days due to a grounding grounded ferry, the subsequent airline strike, forcing a chain reaction to expensive new flight, and lodging logistics. Last summer on a flight home from Bogota, Colombia, I was delayed for almost 24 hours due to weather and mechanical issues and had to pay additional expense for hotels, meals, and transportation. But the scariest incident was in Sweden last fall when I almost lost the vision of my left eye. My eyesight had been disappearing quietly over the course of a week. I had no pain, just slowly creeping blind spot that was cannibalizing my peripheral vision. I was having fun at a conference, ignoring the issue until I walked across a busy street, street and uh, I'm going to slaughter this name, Goldborg. It was almost run over by a train. That's when I called my sister and a physician in the U.S. who told me I likely had a d- detached retina. 
that I was yeah. in danger of losing my vision in my left eye and that I should get myself to the hospital immediately. I took her advice in the emergency room. The doctor confirmed my sister's suspicion, sent me upstairs to start prepping for surgery, which is now scheduled for early the next morning. During the procedure, the surgeon replaced my eye's viscous fluid with hydrogen gas, and afterwards he told me I wouldn't have been able to fly for at least three weeks until the gas naturally dissipated. If I did fly, he explained, the gas would expand and destroy my reconstructed eye. I panicked. The doctor told me I would need immediate surgery, but as the medical disasters abroad go, I hit the jackpot. I was among friends in a developed nation with an excellent hospital system where top-notch surgeons performed the successful operation. Post-op, my cousin who lives nearby invited me to stay with her family for five days, spoiled me with home-cooked food meals, found me a quiet and inexpensive cottage rental within walking distance of her house where I could slowly recover. All went well as it could for the mishap far from home, but if I hadn't have brought my insurance policy through AIG Travel, who may be a sponsor for whatever this article is, before I left, I would have been out nearly $13,000. That's peanuts compared to how costs have ballooned during emergencies abroad, and now travelers heading out of the U.S. need to weigh the risk and cost of potentially being quarantined and treated in a foreign country if they're exposed to or contract COVID-19. We traveled to expand our lives, not to fret about bad things that could happen while we're away, but I plan to get back there soon. But the rise of COVID-19, in addition to increasingly unpredictable travel disruptions, there's never been a better time to get savvy about insurance. According to U.S. Travel Insurance Association, a Washington, D.C. nonprofit trade group, Americans spend $3.8 billion on protection in 2018, increase of 40.9% over 2016. Over the same period, the number of travel protection plans were sold increased by 36.5%. Since January 21st, 2020, according to Travel Insurance Comparison website, Insure My Trip, there's been a 60% increase in sold policies that include cancel for any reason benefit. There are many reasons additional expenditures on travel insurance, according to International Air Travel Transport Association. In 2016, there are 3.8 billion air travelers. Numbers predicted to increase to 7.2 by 2035. Increased global movement has contributed to more congested airports. Travel delays addition to significant rise in the spread of disease outbreaks as evidenced by COVID-19. Also, natural disasters have quadrupled in number and magnitude from 1970 to 2017 resulted in delays or canceled trips. But there is some good news for travelers. According to Global Terrorism Database, the number of terrorist attacks worldwide has decreased by 43% from 2014 to 2018. The number of deaths by terrorism decreased 48%. These uh, threats are scary, but the reality is that usually most people's trips are interrupted by much smaller reasons, broken bones, appendicitis, sprained ankles. High-volume health mishaps are the most boring ones, according to Bill McIntyre, Director of Communications for Global Rescue, a New Hampshire-based travel membership organization that provides medical security, evacuation, travel risk, and crisis management services. Traveler's diary is the number one by far. In terms of security risks, says McIntyre, muggings are the most common. You may be very young and healthy. Situations still happen to you, says Scott Amansky head of U.S. field sales for AIG Travel. There's always been civil unrest, earthquakes, and fire, but it's impacting more people because people are traveling. If you engage in what insurance companies deem extreme activities, the odds of an accident may increase. Alistair Swinton, a 30-year-old mountain guide who works in the European Alps, went on climbing expedition last September 
to Mount Koyozom uh, at 22,546 feet, technical peak in the Hindu Raj range of Pakistan. Swinton fell about 65 feet into crevasse, sustaining head and leg injuries. His climbing partner pulled him out and made an SOS call to the organization's global rescue. The duo's communication device died during the excavation process, but the helicopter still found the climbers a day later. It's very surreal that somebody from global rescue knew where I was, knew how to get contact me knew which hospital i was in global rescue is almost like a guardian angel looking over you may find when you think you're all alone luckily i don't need to get pulled out from a crevasse or excavated in sweden while aig travel insurance i purchased covered my medical expenses return flight did not cover almost 1000 in meals transportation airbnb costs during my three-week recovery period the response i submitted my expense was unfortunately the trip delay benefit does not provide coverage for those items due to the illness or injury of the insured on this policy. After reading a fine print of my policy, I realized the trip delay in travel insurance parlance refers to delayed travel to inclement weather or an airline strike. There's no category for living expense incurred while recovering from a surgery. That's nothing compared to the experience of fellow traveler from uh, Minnesota. While in Peru last September, he cycled off a cliff, broke both ankles, and had to be airlifted out, then flown to the U.S. for emergency surgery. Seven months later, he was able to re, uh, trying to recover, recoup an estimated seventy-five thousand out-of-pocket expenses from different insurance company. As for COVID nineteen, it's important to know that no travel insurance policy covers fear-based cancellations, i.e., bailing out of a trip because of a concern you may get sick, unless you have bought a cancel for any reason rider, the time sensitive benefit, and some plans that allows a traveler to call, call off a trip for any reason up to 48 hours prior to the scheduled departure. From viruses to natural disasters, here's how you make sure you're covered for anything you might want to come your way while traveling. Check your primary health insurance policy first. Look into what your credit cards will cover. And then here's a deal with insurance offered by airlines when buying a ticket. And then they go on. So this is an interesting article. I have an idea. This is a little bit of embedded uh, promotion from AIG since they're named. And if they, if they weren't sponsoring, you wouldn't name them. Uh, but this is just shows take a little bit of effort, a little bit of research to figure out what's covered. And this COVID-19 outbreak just highlights that we need to be taking some a little bit of due diligence to know what's covered. And as always, if you're a scuba diver, buy your Dan insurance. Absolutely. And, it's a major. And we are not sponsored by Dan, but uh, if you need a chamber ride, there's, you can't beat it. If you need evacuated from a country because you need a chamber ride, uh, that's, that's the best way. So get your Dan insurance. No reason not to have it. It's very reasonable. And, uh, it, it's just peace of mind. If if you're going to go do a world trip, I mean, it's it's a rounding error. I mean, it's like the extra pennies on your dollars is all it costs to get that insurance. With that said, though, and with the virus going on and insurance, do you realize that underwater heart attacks are on the rise as scuba divers are warned to lose weight? That's a brand new study they just put out. Now, is that because we need to lose weight or is it because the divers are just getting older? Uh, because the older divers 
need to lose weight. And as you get older, you do have other issues. Some people ignore the issues. For example, talked about scuba diving is becoming an increasingly dangerous pastime for older people. As figures show, the number of underwater heart attacks is on the rise. Researchers say that many divers do not realize they are no longer fit enough for the hobby because they took up the sport when they were younger and in better shape and stayed that way. Figures show that between 1989 and 2015, the proportion of diving fatalities worldwide involving 50-year-old to 59-year-olds increased steadily from 15% to 35%. The death in over 60s, meaning if you're over 60, soared from 5% to 20%. Now, heart attacks and strokes are now the second leading cause of death for divers after drowning. Cardiac issues are the leading factor in diving fatalities per a study done by the University of Western Australia. Divers who learned to dive years ago who are now old and overweight with high blood pressure, high cholesterol, are at increased risk of diving. Now, divers go through a rigorous training program when they initially learn, and they're screened for fitness. But after their certification since it lasts for life, Many of them should not be in the water any longer, as researchers had warned. Uh, they looked at the huge data banks in the U.S. covering 736 million people, of which 113,892 said their main hobby was scuba diving. One-third of the divers were aged 50 or older, and many had already had many risk factors, which made them more susceptible to suffering an underwater heart attack. 54% had smoked cigarettes at some point in their lives, compared with 46% of non-divers. Nearly half of the divers were overweight, 48%, compared to 43% of non-divers. And a third had been diagnosed with high blood pressure and high cholesterol. It's not common. It's not commonly new divers who have health problems because they've recently been screened. It's the older guys who have not looked over or looked after their own health. Said never before in history have so many people been exposing themselves to these extraordinary environmental stresses, and for the first time, we now have a large number of people who have spent their entire life scuba diving. None of us are as young as we once were, and it's important that we stay in shape for diving. The father of scuba, Jacques Cousteau, was diving at 90, and the current world's oldest diver is 94. Key item is they keep themselves in good shape because they want to continue to dive. If you want to continue to dive, get yourself in better shape. Well, that's good. It was a good, it was a good article. It, it makes me sad because I know I'm, I don't feel like I'm in bad shape, but I know that statistically they look at me and go, oh my God, you should be dead. Well, yeah, look at the different type <laughs> of diving though. If we get on shore, taking our time, you get in calm water and your grub in thin, fitty water, your chances not too bad. You go up and do the Superman dive at uh, the Blue River yeah. Bridge, totally different because you now are stressed when you jump off right. that 10-foot wall into the water into a fast current that can go in between half a knot and 15 knots. And then yeah. you still got to climb out 15 feet up a wall and the ladder yeah. doesn't go but to 10. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm, I am actively trying to lose weight. Uh, my doctor took me off any blood pressure medication because he said I didn't need it anymore, but I still need to lose a few pounds. Uh, and it, and it's tough. You know, it's not, you know, it, it, it the, the aging process, it seems like everything that happens naturally because of aging, I'm like two steps the other direction just because of other lifestyle conditions I've done. Uh, you know, I blame my career, but yeah, you know, I can only blame sitting at a desk for so much. Well, it's like me though. I, you know, I'm so used to diving. It's like, I don't think about it, but I do think about it now when I do, am I going to go deep diving? Probably not. Mm-hmm. And I am more concerned with how fast is that current? Because if it's fast, I don't try to go across the river like I used to. I could get yeah. there, but could I get back? Well, yeah, that's it. Can you get back? And is it worth it? Is it, is do you, do you need to get across the current? I've I've done. There's, I would say the last three times I went to go to cross the river, I bailed. Excuse me, about a third of the way across. I just, you know, it's the, the current was just too tough. You know, if I was saving somebody's life, yeah, I'd, certainly I've gone across, but it's not worth the strain and effort. I mean, if if I wanted to be on that side of the river, I should have started in that side of the river. Uh, or right, wait or for get, a day you, where you, the currents are lighter. Or you get Big John to take you in this boat till you don't got to swim <laughs> yeah. there. And that's what, I, up a, that's what I've been doing the last year now. Because I just don't have the endurance and I'm not going to stress myself out. And I think part of it is being conscious that if you're starting to get tired, especially at our age, you need to stop what the hell, it, you know, whatever you're doing that's making you tired. Yeah. And, and you can do some plans, you know, as long as you know the river and you don't have some strainers that are going to catch you, you can, you can work your way upstream along the bank or even start higher upstream and then just do a kind of a little bit of a drift dive where you drip over, drift over to the other side. Yep. You, you don't, you don't need to fight that current, you know, leave that for the 20 year olds. <laughs> they, they can go, uh, you know, do a little stress test. I don't, I don't need to be on the treadmill. Yep. Uh, and that's the hard part for some time is finally sitting down and realizing you can't do that. You want to, but just because you did it last year and the year before doesn't mean you can do it this year. Yeah. yeah dive within your limits, dive within your training. Uh, it's worth the extra effort to get yourself healthier. Uh, and then the coronavirus. I mean, I, I think what this is coming down to is if you're in a high risk group, you're going to have a high rate of fatalities. If you're in a low-risk group, don't give it to somebody who's in a high-risk group. Yes, don't 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 cough on me, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I'm 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 looking and I'm 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 approaching the high-risk group rather rapidly. Uh, I'm not quite there, so I'm kind of like if there's going to be a pandemic, it, this is probably a good time for me. And then Karen in the chat room pasted the chart which we were talking about, which is, uh, and I've seen this in a variety of sites. It shows the the curve without measures and the curve with measures, uh, you know, and what you're doing is you're delaying the epidemic. We're going to have a peak. If nobody delays anything, the peak's going to be in a week to two weeks and you're going to have a million dead. Uh, if you delay it, maybe we can cut that number in half. Uh, and then the, the healthcare system's able to maintain it. Uh, so I don't know. Is there any? Is there anything else we've left out of the coronavirus? I mean, for what little that we know, 
uh, you know, Dan, you know, you know, and I'll, I'll make sure I'm going to try and post this one tomorrow. Uh, I'll try and have links to it so you can watch it. And this is going to change. So this as again, as, as of March 12th, 2020, uh, within a week, we'll know 10 times that we know now. So, you know, my wish and desire is that we get a, uh, a shot that we can take that reduces this and I'll be the first one on. I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in vaccinations. If I can get vaccinated to something, uh, I do it. I, I don't look down at people who decide they don't because, uh, you know, if you, if you're allergic to eggs, you know, the current flu virus, uh, flu, flu vaccine, uh, can cause problems. Or if you have other, other health conditions and also we've granted immunity to medical, uh, companies, uh, on vaccinations that if they kill you from a vaccination, they're not liable. Uh, so I could see why some would be a little concerned with taking it. But for my, my position is, uh, vaccines are good. I mean, we nearly eliminated smallpox from the world from vaccines. We have measles that we've, uh, greatly reduced, uh, through vaccines and, uh, while the flu vaccine has been spotty on many seasons, uh, I'm, I'm hoping the more antibodies I can build up against these things, the better off I am. Well, Mac, did you have anything you wanted to cover? I don't, has, we didn't talk about diving, even though we talked about Corona virus and diving. Have you, have you heard of anybody getting in the water recently? Oh, I think I lost Mac. Uh, so if he pops back on, I'll, I'll ask him again. Uh, the other thing that I've wondered as we talk about diving is how transmittable this is in the water. So if we're coming down, uh, we frequently with river dives and we're, we're, we're probably within two or three weeks of river dive season, how transmittable is this virus in the rivers? And I haven't heard anything, but uh, if you're in doubt, it may be appropriate to stay out of some of the river diving conditions because i i have to believe you could have the potential to pick it up you know dilution is a solution in many cases but uh you, know, you have to make decision for yourself if you're willing to take that risk I'd like to thank everybody who's in the chat room we had uh, quite a good chat room we had kevin and mac who were in earlier and it's in the episode we had derek and eric who are in there and karen our local health expert who pops in there and certainly greatly appreciated for her advice and and posts in there uh if you're enjoying the show we certainly appreciate your support we have quite a few supporters on patreon and we could use some more it keeps us online yeah i notice that some will drop off after a while and we know situations change and you may not be able to continue to support us for long but it certainly helps keep us on the air that kind of keeps us going i can't believe that we have entered our 11th season of the scuba obsessed podcast Go to scubaobsessed.com, click on over the Patreon link, and $3 or more will get early access to our show notes. We're on Twitter, at scubaobsessed. We're on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash scubaobsessed. And uh, if Mac doesn't pop in here, um, we'll probably get on to our bad scuba joke, which, uh, let's see, I, I had a few queued up, Yeah. Some sometimes the the jokes kind of name themselves. 
So this one is uh, under the category of uh, worst jokes ever, a morbid joke. A doctor walks up to a dying man and says, I'm sorry, our tests show that you only have 10 more to live. The man says, 10? 10 what? Years? Weeks? Days? What? The doctor calmly replies, nine, eight. So I, I, I think that one, is it, is it too soon? I mean, should I not have done that one with the coronavirus? So on behalf of uh, Mac, Kevin, until next week, go out there and get wet. So this is the article that Karen had. Uh, Wikipedia, it says human viruses and water. And it said viruses are a major cause of human waterborne and water-related disease. Waterborne disease are caused by water is contaminated by human and animal urine and feces. It contains patho- a pathogenic microorganisms. The subject can get infected through contact with or consumption of contaminated water. Viruses affecting all living organisms from single-cell plants, bacteria, and animals to the highest form of plants and animals, including human beings. Viruses can interact with their hosts through several methods and mechanisms. Some viruses can be host-specific, HIV. Some can be less host-specific, influenza viruses. Different viruses can have different routes of transmission. For example, HIV is directly transferred by contaminating body fluids from an infected host into the tissue or bloodstream of the new host while influenza is airborne and transmitted through inhalation and contaminated air containing viral particles by the new host. Enteric viruses primarily infect the intestinal tract through ingestion of food, water, contaminated with viruses with fecal origin. Some viruses can be transmitted through all three routes of transmission. Water virology started about half a century ago when scientists attempted to detect the polio virus in water samples. Since then, other pathogenic viruses that are responsible for gastroenteritis, hepatitis, and many other virus strains have replaced as the main aim for detection in the water environment. Which I appreciate that was medical, but that almost, yeah, so. Karen saying it looks like coronaviruses are transmittable in water. HIV has to be kept wet and warm to survive. Hepatitis is a little tough little bugger. Survives conditions that wouldn't wipe out others. And I can remember as a kid, uh, my mom warning me about hepatitis. We had the, the family, even even though they thought I had had it, I've shown later in life not to have uh, have had hepatitis, but my mom did. Uh, but we were always warned to stay away from. Uh, water sources because of hepatitis. So um, so that's something to be concerned with. So as we're diving in the rivers, we may want to avoid some of those areas where we have uh, outflow from waste treatment plants, especially in a rainy condition. I'm, you know, you're keeping it wet. So all the time schedules that say if you don't keep it, you know, if something's not wet, it will die. 
I'd have to think those change based on the waste treatment plants. And in rainy seasons, it comes in, it goes out right, you know, almost the same day. So uh, we have to be suspect when we're in the river that uh, we may not have clean conditions, which is a little troublesome. So if you spit out your regulator and you put it back in, what kind of conditions are we in? Uh, I'm not qualified to know, but, uh, you know, a little prevention may make some sense. Yeah, it says ultraviolet light in the light and sunlight can inactivate viruses by causing cross-linking of uh, <laughs> the bits of the the virus. It says invisible light can also affect virus survival by process uh, that affects the wavelength intensity of light to change the inactivation rate. So, huh. So do some research, but uh, it says keep the water off your mucous membranes. And then uh, Karen also said that the polio virus is one that can easily be transmitted in water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, there could be a fun experiment. Dunk your regulator in the water and see what cultures out of the swab of the Petri dish. Well, and I think what we need to do is do that in a dive where we're upstream from the waste treatment outflow and then do one where it's below. And I'm always... If I, I I deliberately do not go below the waste treatment if I can at all avoid it. Uh, but downriver, I mean, you're downriver. So you're just counting on dilution to have uh, eliminated it. You're just having a lower density of whatever those viruses and contagions are. So, yeah, and then... Karen points out we're still downriver from South Bend, which is very true. 